This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. And trying to make an adjustment on the ball is Michael Pittman. He catches it, and he rumbles across the goal line. Touchdown, a 42-yard strike. Aaron out downfield, down the far sideline, looking for Zay Jones, and it's intercepted by the Colts. He's in! Touchdown, I-N-D-Y! Now, here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined every week by Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks. Bill, today we are breaking down the Colts' 38-27 to loss to the New Orleans Saints on Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. This drops the Colts to 3-5 and on the season. And really, I think, Bill, the, the place we need to start is the play of the Colts' defensive backs in this game. It's impossible to to not specifically look at Rashid Shahid, the 51-yard reception he had on third and 13 with about three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That play effectively seals the win for the Saints, and it was a uh, a play on which the, the Colts had Tony Brown in one-on-one coverage on the outside. Shahid got by him, got the catch. Tony Brown in this game, Bill, he started on the outside. Daryl Baker Jr. did not play in coverage and according to pro football focus tony brown was targeted six times allowing six receptions for 180 yards and a touchdown i think when you just you think about the the game that brown specifically had back there two things to me kind of stand out one is yeah he he took responsibility after the game for the plays that he gave up but the other mm-hmm. thing that I don't think we can lose sight of here, Bill, is the Colts only put Derek pressure, Derek Carr under pressure, excuse me, four times on 28 dropbacks per pro football focus. What did you see just watching it in real time, um, you know, kind of how New Orleans was able to get after Tony Brown in this game and have some success there? Yeah, you know, they came in the game. They were going to attack whoever's going to be out there. Um, I think they made a conscious effort to attack of course, Tony Brown and whoever's going to be on the, out there, knowing that Juju Brents being injured, being out, not playing um, tonight. So uh, they just did a good job attacking him, especially with one of the fastest guys in the league with Shahid getting out there and getting on top of uh, Tony Brown. I know one play earlier, um, uh, the, the early one he scored was it 59 yards, I think. Uh, 58 like yards, that. yeah. The second and yards. five in the second quarter, yeah. Yeah, and he just went out there and just went, went right by him. It was no contest. It was wide open. And then also you had one, um, the one you're talking about, the third and 13. He made a nice – he did a nice job. He got up inside Tony Brown and just ran right by him. And gutsy call by the Saints, third and 13. You know, usually that situation you probably think about, okay – Maybe we'll just try to get as much yards as we can. If we get a first down, great. But if we don't, we'll punt the ball. And we'll hopefully our defense can hold uh, the Colts. But they went after it. Give them some credit, and they went right after Tony Brown. And I think you know they made the conscious effort to go after him. And when you don't get pressure on a quarterback, especially someone like Derek Carr, and you give him time to throw, you know he can he can be dangerous. And you saw it today. He was dangerous. And I think the Colts only got one sack on Derek Carr tonight. And um, mm-hmm. You know, Derek Carr made uh, the Colts pay for it. So let's talk about that. The the call on that third and 13. Gus Bradley got aggressive here. I, I like that he got aggressive. They sent pressure. 
uh, Zaire Franklin and Nick Cross both blitzed on this. They had DeForest Buckner. They they had Samson Ebicom line up in like a zero technique, and they had Buck kind of loop across to try to get him a one on one. But ultimately, you could the the Saints blocked it up where they kind of had a three on two with uh, Buckner and Ebicom there. So the the Colts don't get pressure on this play uh, until Carr is able to release it downfield. And I mean, you're right, Bill. It's a really good route by Shahid. Um, and, you know, after the game, talking to DeForest Buckner, he was asked, like, what could you have done differently as a front? And he said, plain and simple, it was just get more pressure on Derek Carr, affect the quarterback more than they did in this game. Because he said, you know, and I thought this was a, a really smart comment that, you know, we can't leave those guys out to dry, knowing that the Colts are depleted in their secondary, knowing that Tony Brown is playing significant snaps on defense really for the first time since he's been in a Colts uniform. He's mostly been a core special teamer and a really good one at that. And when Tony Brown has played, he's been in the slot. So he doesn't eat. Now, Tony Brown does have some experience on the outside dating back to his college days at Alabama, some of the time he had in the NFL prior to the Colts. Um, But this is an instance of, you know, you have a next man up out there and you want to help him out however you can. And, this Saints offensive line, give them credit. They had not been playing particularly well coming into this game, but they played a good game, keeping Derek Carr clean, and it allowed him to hit some of those downfield shots to a guy like Rashid Shahid, who who took advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, man, he took advantage of those opportunities, is right, JJ. And you know, DeForest the, the makes a good point. You know, they knew they have young guys back there, guys that don't have a lot of experience playing corner, and. And knew that, you know what, in order for the Colts to help them out, they're going to have to get some pressure on the quarterback and get some pressure on Derek Carr, veteran quarterback back there that knows how to pick apart defenses that has done it in the past. And, you know, when you don't get pressure on the quarterback and you give him time to throw, especially with the talent that he that Carr had out at receiver with Olave, Thomas, Shahid, those guys and Kamara coming out of the backfield, um, if the if they if he can get the ball into their hands, they can make some big big plays, and that's what they did today against the Colts. Made some big, big plays. Carr got the ball into those guys' hands, and they made some big plays. The Colts trying to make up for not having Juju Brentson, Grover Stewart out there. I, I think to me really showed up in critical moments in this game, Bill, where you saw Taysom Hill have a number of runs that Oof. he. He's a good player, by the way. Yep. That mm-hmm. is a good football player, and the Saints know how to use him. But he set up his blocks really well, um, and the Colts really weren't able to kind of get much going, um, you know, in terms of s- slowing him down. And then not having Juju out there, you know, New Orleans was able to kind of get after the Colts a little bit. I think, Bill, though, going back to the pass rush, coming into this game, the Saints had allowed the third most total pressures of any team in the NFL entering week eight at 109, according to pro football focus. And again, the Colts only got four today. That mm-hmm. That's a little bit concerning. And that goes back to probably not having Grover Stewart, also not having Eric Johnson out there, where that impacts, while those neither of those guys you're leaning on to be your top pass rushers, that impacts the depth of that line that impacts how you can use, you know, a Dio Odangbo, a Taekwon Lewis, um, where you might have to use them in different situations on early downs to where, 
when you get to passing downs, maybe you can't be as targeted with them. I would have to kind of go back and really, you know, rewatch the film on this, but just kind of a mm-hmm. gut thing there that the Colts outside of those runs by Taysom Hill, they, they did a pretty good job against the run. Um, Alvin Kamara did not have a very efficient day on the ground, but ultimately those two guys, I think proved really difficult to replace in this game. Yeah. It's tough to play, replace Grover Stewart. I think we've talked about that earlier before. Um, how much Grover Stewart impacts on a positive note in regards to the coach defense. Um, you know, he helps keep the guys that get the offensive linemen get to that next level, get to the linebackers. So, you know, the linebackers, linebackers can flow, you know, along, along the line and make some uh, tackles out there and also help with DeForest Buckner. You know, DeForest might not get double teamed as much uh, when Grover's out there. So, you know, Grover can, handle his guy and make some plays and also can just clog up that middle a little bit on, on some of those runs and maybe Taysom Hill doesn't get those big runs that he got today. And also with Juju Brents, I mean, Juju Brents is coming, was coming on playing well, and he's a tall, lanky, long guy. I think he could have hopefully, you know, caused some problems with guys getting off the line of scrimmage with his length there, his arms jamming the receivers coming off the ball. And also just having good coverage, you know, someone that can run with the guys and and be close by and break up some passes out there and not having those guys, as you said, especially along the defensive line, those guys had to step in, play more snaps at the defensive line as far as starting and not being able to use uh, those guys in different situations when if you had Grover, let Grover play, maybe give him a rest a couple of times, a couple of plays out there and then have these guys coming in different situations and use them in different situations and have Grover fresh for some other time, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that hurts the Colts when you don't have those guys out there like Grover uh, to help you make those plays out there from the defensive line standpoint. So when you have those guys out, you know, you always say next man up, but it's very difficult to replace guys like Grover and Juju Brents. Give Juju's credit. He's coming, he was coming along, unfortunate injury. You know, he can't be out there and, Hopefully, you know, the injury is not serious. He can come back and we'll see what happens and um, go from there. But you definitely did miss those two today. I think the thing that stinks, Bill, is you think about how far Juju has come over the course yes. of the season and how how it would have been really nice to have him and Dallas Flowers out there right now. Yeah. Where yeah. Dallas is playing at a high level when he sustained Mm -hmm. that season-ending injury in week four. Juju, since then, has really come along. And how I think you'd feel pretty good about the Colts' cornerback situation if you had both those guys on the field. Obviously, that's not the reality the Colts are living in right now. But just one to kind of, I don't know, file away, maybe even for next year of, you know, these two guys, Brenson and Flowers, pretty good out there. uh, Guys you can rely on. But again, the reality, Bill... Colts gave up 511 yards of total offense, 7.7 yards per play today. Um, just, you know, talking to players after the game, guys on defense, they all said it wasn't good enough, that they they got to be better. And when the offense puts up 27 points against a, a Saints defense that's been as stingy as they have been this year, um, just like the the game against the Browns last week, you, you the offense puts up 38 points and you lose. I think you, you generally would feel pretty good you know, putting up 27, 38 points against the Saints and Browns, but the Colts ultimately come away with two losses in those games. Yeah, and, you know, the Saints, you know, for the most part, they have some big plays, and that's where they got all the yards, mm-hmm. really, the big plays. 
days, you know. And we said that, you know what, maybe Alvin Kamara and, and Williams did not get a lot of yards as far as those two individually, but as from a running standpoint, they got 161 yards rushing. That's pretty good yep. for you know yeah. a team getting running the ball. So they ran the ball. They they did what they wanted to do. And in regards to running the ball, and then you had Derek Carr throwing for over 300 yards, 310 yards, and then you had okay, of course Taysom Hill hitting that 44 yard pass, um, big play for them. But that adds up to the 500 yards of total offense, and that that no, that's that's tough to overcome when an offensive team can move the ball down the field, get points um, while they're moving the ball, but also make big plays in the fourth quarter to help them seal the game. And that's what they did. They made the big plays in the fourth quarter, and they had a lot of splash plays to help them get some points. So let's talk about the second half then. Uh, Jonathan Taylor only gets one carry in the second half. And that, you know, yeah. kind of that, that's a that's a talking point after the game, certainly. Um, you know, kind of the way Shane Steichen explained it was Zach Moss kind of had a hot hand. Um, and then the the game script sort of got away from the Colts. And if you look at it, Jonathan Taylor came out on the Colts' first possession and he took a carry on that drive. He gained one yard uh on the play. Colts went three and out. Next possession goes to Zach Moss. Zach Moss on that next possession rips off five carries for 53 yards. And all of a sudden, okay, here, here's your hot hand. But that was the possession. Um, I, I believe that was the possession where the Colts went down and Gardner Minshew uh, threw the interception in Pittman. the end zone. Yeah, toward Michael Pittman Jr. Mm -hmm. So New Orleans then goes down. They go ahead. They take a, an eight-point lead. And you kind of start feeling like you need to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, I guess, like, when you when you consider that context of it, Bill, I didn't have as much of a problem with it. I think on its face, you're like, well, you know, JT was running the ball really well. Why do you only get one carry? Um, but to JT's credit, too, after the game, he he was asked, like, were you surprised? And he goes, like, no, I wasn't shocked because we were putting points on the board. Kind of feels like when you have a Zach Moss there with Jonathan Taylor and he shows, all right, hey, he, he's getting going, um, you know, on that, that next possession. He's probably going to be your guy out there. And, yeah, then it, it just kind of – kind of gets away from you at that point. And even if Jonathan Taylor maybe had one or two carries after that, um, I don't think it's like, like to me, that wasn't the difference in the game, I guess is where I'm going with that bill. Yeah. You know, I, I thought though, especially in the second half when there was only down by one point starting the second half down 21, 20, I thought maybe pretty much the game is pretty even um, for the most part. And you should be, you know, pretty happy that it's only one point difference uh, in the score. And I thought we would run the ball, you know, get Jonathan Taylor going or Zach Moss going, either one. But we just didn't run the ball that much in the second half. And that was that kind of shocked me, surprised me a little bit. So I was a little shocked by that, um, not running the ball, because I thought, you know, we we could run the ball against them and and, and move the ball down the field. And, um, and then – when you don't and you turn the ball over and you get behind by a lot, then you understand why you have to play that catch up game and start throwing the ball a lot. And I, I think when we, when we have to start playing catch up a lot, that, that, that causes a lot of problems for us. And, you know, when you have um, the quarterback throwing 40 times, 41 times, um, you know, that, that's, that makes it very difficult to sustain that over time um, and coming back. And, you know, a lot of times when you throw it that many times, unfortunately you get a, 
you might get a a, a pick, a turnover, and we did get a pick and turnover. So thought we might have run the ball a little bit more, but we didn't do that. And unfortunately, we couldn't um, punch the ball in. And then, of course, defensively, we just couldn't stop them. So um, just a little – that's not a concern or anything like that about Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss, but just, uh, just a little, um, I would say, just have a question about maybe why not run – the ball a little bit more in the second half so I guess here's the counterpoint to that Bill while it was a one score game uh in the second half I think this I should say while it was a one score game before uh, the fourth quarter so when it was either 21 to 20 or 28 to 20 the Colts run mm-hmm. pass split was Gardner Minshew had seven dropbacks and Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss had six carries so it was okay. relatively even so it, I, I guess it wasn't like, you know, Shane got out there and and was just throwing passes. Um, it was it, it was relatively even. I think the maybe the thing that you're that that sort of sways it here though is, um, after Minshew throws the interception, New Orleans goes down and scores. The Colts do call three consecutive passing plays with it twenty eight twenty, uh, right at the the end of the third quarter. And I think that was where um, Tano Passanio had the the strip sack that was ultimately called back. back right. And um, then the Colts weren't able to convert on third down. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess I kind of go both ways on it. The yeah, general... That, that, no, go ahead. Yeah. You know, and that's what I'm talking about. Like the, the, the three passes in a row and then... You go, you go three and out, and I thought maybe at that point, you know, 28-20, still, like I said, it's one possession game. You score, get a two-point conversion, game's tied. Um, and I thought maybe, you know, just let's let's get the ball into our, our playmaker's hands with the JT uh, and, of course, Moss. So um, that was the only thing. I mean, I, I, I never – I'm look, I'm not a coach, <laughs> and they know a lot more than I ever will ever know about uh, – calling an offensive game uh, in the National Football League. So uh, I'm not questioning that, but just just me just just wanting to know maybe, um, you know, why or whatever, or just, you know, just have some questions about, you know, maybe continue to, to play your game, don't get out of your game plan, let's run the ball and uh, see what can happen. Let's just, I mean, for a little bit of context here, because I, I think, I mean, I, I think you're right, Bill, about, the the passing plays but i think i just when i zoom out i'm mm-hmm. just like man shane steichen's really good at this oh like this is now this is now yes. two straight weeks this is now two straight weeks that the colts have gone up against an awesome defense and scored a pretty decent amount of points new orleans came into this game allowing 4.76 yards per play that was fifth in the nfl the colts averaged 5.5 yards per play new mm-hmm. orleans came into this game allowing 18.1 points per uh per game that was sixth lowest in the NFL. The Colts scored 27. The, the, the New Orleans came into this game allowing third down conversions at a 30.53% rate. The Colts in this game converted third downs 7 to 16 at 44%. And you're even like, eh, maybe that wasn't all that good. That was still like statistically significant when it comes to being better than the Saints averages. So this is a this is a good Saints defense. And I think if you came into this game and said, you're going to put up 27 points, 
you'd feel pretty good about the Colts' chances. But again, it, it comes down to the the defense needing to make a couple more plays, not yep. just Tony Brown, not just no. the pass rush, all of them together. Yep. But I, again, I think just again zooming out in it, I'm just like, man, like Shane is really, really good at this. Like really good at this. Oh, he's he's real good at uh, designing plays and uh, scheming up plays against good teams, you know, out in the National Football League. And I think about the the touchdown that uh, Pittman had that he caught. Mm-hmm. It was a nice play. Pittman was kind of maybe a one by one off the edge there, and then uh, Pierce goes up and he runs the route and it creates a natural rub, natural mm-hmm. pick. Where uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Lattimore. Lattimore had a bubble yep. over the top of Alec uh, as Alec was running his route and Pittman ran into the flat. Pittman's wide open and Gardner hits him and Pittman catches it in the flat and just runs up and uh, beats the guy to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. So plays like that where he's he's making plays. Um, he he just he he shows something almost every week that's different new and exciting and how he can get the players open uh, to make big plays out there. So yes, Shane does a tremendous job. It's ex- and for an offensive player like me, it's exciting to see what he does next. You know, it seems like every week there's something new, something different that he does. So I'm, a, I'm very excited about what he does out there in a the football field. And definitely he knows what he's doing and he's uh he's very, very good at coming up with plays um, to put the guys in good position to make plays and make big explosive plays as well. To me, that you're kind of through the gauntlet of defenses that you'll face early in the season. Um, New Orleans, Cleveland, Jacksonville, those are three really, really good defenses that the Colts just yes. faced. Um, and... I guess it I guess like again I'm trying to digest it in real time here but the Colts didn't lose those games. They I guess the Colts lost the Jacksonville game probably because of offense, right? You turn the ball over four times, mm-hmm. Jacksonville turns it into 17 points. But you probably didn't lose the Cleveland game. Well, you could also say you lost the Cleveland game because of your mm-hmm. offense, you turned it over four times, but you scored 38 points. Right. And you didn't lose the New Orleans game because of your offense. So right. to me, that that just shows in that gauntlet that you just faced that, hey, Shane Steichen's able to find some stuff. And again, if you're zooming out on this and you're starting to think about where the season can go, where the future of this franchise can go, you should feel really, really good if you're a Colts fan about Shane Steichen as your head coach and your play caller because he's finding answers and he is finding ways to put his players in the best position to succeed against some of the best defenses in the NFL full stop. Oh, by far the arrows pointing way up with the looking at the offense and what this offense is right now and what Shane's doing right now. He and the whole offensive staff, how he's putting players in position to make plays, how he's helping these guys to be successful out there. And you just, you just, are anticipating what's going to happen next. You're anticipating what can happen in the next game when he goes up against another team, once he goes up against Carolina and and those teams later on that we play down the road. So I'm anticipating that there's going to be something special out there that he's going to do. It's going to be exciting. 
And I think most of the fans feel that way is also that they're, they're excited to, for what this team can be. Um, and they're seeing it right now as far as what the team is doing out there in the football field. So I'm excited. I look forward to things um, happening out in the football field. I just wish, you know, you, you, we're getting a return because I think it's going to benefit this team in the long run, but I know the fans want the returns to be wins. And hopefully, you know, we will get some of those wins as we move down uh, along in the season. But for right now, you're still excited about what can be and what actually the Colts are doing right now on offense as far as how they're scoring, how they're using their players, and how effective they're being out there on the football field. They put up the points. It's not that they, they don't put up points. They're putting up a lot of points out there in the football field, and that's what you want to see from your offense. By the way, just, just to kind of put a bow on this, the only team this year that the Colts have not upped the average points per game allowed has been Jacksonville. The Jaguars are allowing 20.9 points per game. That is the hot, by the way, that's the highest points per game total the Colts have faced all year on defense. And the Colts scored 13 points on offense in week one. They had the buck touchdown uh, on, mm-hmm. on defense and then 20 points in week two. But other than that, the LA Rams, 20.1 points per game. Colts scored 23. The Tennessee Titans, 19.5 points per game. Colts scored 23. The Cleveland Browns, 19.2 points per game. The Colts scored 38. The Houston Texans, 18.8 points per game. The Colts scored 31. The New Orleans Saints, 18.1 points per game. Colts scored 27. The Baltimore Ravens, 13.9 points per game. The Colts scored 22. So again, you're just, this is a good, this is a good offense with a good head coach. That's kind of where I want to leave it. One guy I want to highlight, Two guys I want to highlight on offense, actually. Every week we talk about Josh Downs doing some good stuff. And this week's no different. Nine targets, seven catches, 72 yards. Bill, it almost felt like every time the Colts lined up and empty and didn't send pre-snap motion, the ball was going to Josh Downs and he was getting an efficient gain out of it. He just has such a good feel for, all right, this is the coverage. I know what to do with it. Yeah, he, I mean, he understands football. I mean, you just look out the, you look at the way he plays the game uh, from the slot or out wide or if he's in, doing in motion. He has an understanding of what the defense is trying to do. And for a young guy to have that type of feel, have that understanding of defenses out there in the football field, that says a lot about that young man. Very, very intelligent young man. And I'm sure there are times when he gets fooled out there. Everyone gets fooled once in a while out there. On, on the field when you think it's uh man and might be zone or they might do something a little different. They might bracket you a different way than you expected to be bracketed out there in the football field. But for the most part, this young man knows what he's doing out there in the football field. He has a great feel for where to be at the right spot at the right time. And the quarterbacks are very comfortable with him getting him the ball in those spaces because you know what? When the ball's thrown, they're always in the vicinity of where he is at or where he's going to be. So they, they, he understands where he needs to be, and a quarterback understands where he's going to be. So that says a lot about not just Josh Downs, but what he's doing with the quarterbacks and working with the quarterbacks and being on the same page with the quarterback. So that is very, very good to see. And, and like I said before, uh, I think I said last week, I'm excited to see what this young man can do in his career because if he keeps doing things like that, 
you know what? The sky's the limit for the young man. The other guy I want to highlight here, Drew Ogletree. He's he's the Colts' top <laughs> tight end right now. He led the Colts in snaps at tight end again. I thought he did some really good things in the run game. And he had that 33-yard touchdown where he just worked back to the ball on four verts and made a really nice catch in the back of the end zone. Um, he's having a really good year, Drew Ogletree. And, you know, if you look at just the, the raw receiving numbers, you may kind of miss him. Uh, what, he's only got eight receptions this year. But, like, it, it's it's coming on for him. And I think you can sort of sense maybe, you know, even if it's not this year, that the Colts are just, they're building the kind of trust in him that they would have had in him last year. Yes. And for a guy, Bill, who w- was on such a encouraging trajectory in 2022 before he tore his ACL in training camp, for him to just come back and jump right back onto that trajectory like, let's not forget, he is 14 months removed from a torn ACL and is just right back to playing at a level that the Colts expected him to play at last year. And now we're seeing it. And and that is really encouraging for the rest of the season and then the, you know, beyond for this Colts offense. Yeah, and I think last year, JJ, and um, I'm sure I could speak for some other people too, that watched Drew Ogletree practice and everyone last year thought, oh man, this guy's going to be good. Um, we can't wait to see him out there in a the football field during last season, but unfortunately he got hurt. So it set him back a little bit. And then, you know, not knowing how he's going to come back from the injury, he's come back. He attacked the rehab for an injury. He was ready to go. Showed uh, he was ready in training camp, came back. And now we're seeing what we saw last year year from him practicing um, at Westfield last year and then being ready to go this year and practicing. And you know what? The play he made today in the end zone, it it was nice to play by Drew and Drew was running his route and then he recognized Gardner was scrambling in the backfield there and then he broke off his route and just followed his scramble rules and got open uh, in the back of the end zone. Gardner saw him and he made a nice catch, a catch that he had to go down and go get and, you know, that says a lot about the young man, about how he wants to be good in the National Football League. And he's worked hard at it to be good in the National Football League. And he he enjoys himself. And the thing I like about Drew is he seems like he always has a smile on his face. He's just a happy young yeah. man. He, he enjoys playing and he enjoys being here with the Colts. But um, he also has a, a, a fierce competitiveness inside of him that he wants to be real good and. He went out there and he made a nice play. And I, I was happy for the young man and hopefully he can stay healthy. And I think if he continues to grow from the time he got here to where he is now and continue that same growth, you know what? I think we can see a lot. I think we'll see a lot of good things from Drew Ogletree moving forward. Yeah. He might sneak up on some people nationally, but here in Indy, there's going to no, be no sneaking up. But, I mean, no. we, I, I think <laughs> we're, we see it. We see, yes. we see you, Drew. We, we see what you're doing out there. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. We'll have plenty of shows coming to you this week on the Colts Audio Network, wherever you get your podcasts, and also on YouTube for the official Colts podcast. That'll be out Tuesday and Thursday. Bill and I will be back probably not Sunday night next week. Probably getting back from Carolina a little late. Remember, that's a 4.05 p.m. Eastern game. 
So more than likely, Bill and I will be taping Instant Reaction Monday morning uh, in person, probably not over Zoom. Yes. We'll probably be in the, the the radio studio at the Colts facility. Um, and then, good. Hey, we got one more of these shows left until uh, Casey Valier takes over for an episode when I'll be somewhere <laughs> over the Atlantic Ocean while y'all are taping that coming back yes. from Germany. Um, anyways, always fun talking to you, Bill, here on the Colts Audio Network, getting us wrapped up with the Colts and the Saints. We will be back again next week here on the Colts Audio Network, recapping the Colts and Panthers in Week 9. For Bill Brooks, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next week after the Colts play the Panthers.